You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook and find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was, to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 353, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 16, Paragraphs 680 to 687. Chapter 16. How the Most Blessed Mary celebrated the feasts of the Ascension of Christ our Savior, the coming of the Holy Ghost, the Feast of the Angels and Saints, and other anniversaries of favors received by her. 680. In each one of the works and mysteries of our great Queen and Lady are found new secrets to penetrate and new reasons for wonder and praise. But I am running short of new words to make known what I see. From what I have been made to understand concerning the love of Christ our Lord for his purest mother and most worthy spouse. It seems to me that for the sake of this love, the Lord would have resigned his throne of glory and the company of the saints to be with his most beloved mother. If other reasons had not demanded his presence in heaven, and that of the Virgin upon earth during the time of her separation and bodily absence. But let no one say that this high opinion of the excellence of the Queen derogates from that of her divine Son or of the saints. For the divinity of the Father and the Holy Ghost was in Christ in its highest individual unity. The three persons exist in each one in an inseparable manner. And the person of the Word cannot exist without the Father and the Holy Ghost. It is certain that the company of the angels was less than that of his Most Holy Mother in the eyes of her Divine Son, that is, considering the force of reciprocal love between Christ and his purest Mother. But for other reasons, it was befitting that the Lord, after accomplishing the redemption of man, should return to the right hand of the Father, and that his most blessed mother should remain in the church, so that through her industry and merits the efficacy of the redemption should be proved, and that she should bring forth to light the fruit of the passion and death of her divine Son. 681. With ineffable and mysterious providence, Christ our Savior arranged his works, 
showing in them his divine wisdom, magnificence, and glory, confiding entirely in this strong woman, as described by Solomon, Proverbs 31.11. And his confidence was not frustrated, since the most prudent mother, by uniting her own solicitude and merits with his passion and blood, purchased for her son the field in which she planted the vines of the church. These were the souls of the faithful, propagated in the church on earth, and of the predestined, in whom the church was to be transplanted to the triumphant Jerusalem forever and ever. If it was befitting the glory of the Most High that all this great work should be entrusted to Mary, in order that our Savior Jesus might enter into the glory of his Father after his glorious resurrection, then it was also no more than just that, as far as was possible. He should keep up his intercourse with his most blessed mother, whom he had left in the world and whom he loved without measure. To this he was held not only by his own love toward his mother, but by her state, and the task imposed upon her during her sojourn on earth, where the grace, the means, the favors, and blessings must necessarily be in proportion with the origin and the end of those hidden mysteries. All these requirements were gloriously fulfilled by the frequent visits of the Son to his mother, and by her being raised to the throne of his glory. Thus, neither would the invincible queen be totally deprived of her court, nor would the courtiers for so many years be deprived of the delightful sight of their queen and lady. Hence, as this delight was possible, it was proper that all those concerned should also enjoy it. 682. One of the days, in addition to those already mentioned, on which the celestial wonders were renewed, was that on which she celebrated each year the ascension of her divine Son. This day was a great festival for her and for all heaven. She prepared for it during forty days from the day in which she solemnized the resurrection of her Son. During all this time she renewed the memory of the favors and blessings she had received from her divine Son, and of the glorious company of the ancient patriarchs and saints delivered from limbo, and of all that had transpired day after day during those forty days, giving thanks and new hymns and devotions as if they were again transpiring before her. For all these events were indelibly impressed upon her memory. I will not enter upon the particulars of what she did during those times, because I have written about them sufficiently in the last chapters of the second part. I will say only that during this preparation our great queen received incomparable favors and experienced new influences of the divinity by which she was made ever more and more godlike and prepared for the extraordinary favors she was to receive on the feast itself. 683. On the mysterious day on which our Savior Jesus ascended into heaven, he came down in person to the oratory of his most blessed mother. Accompanied by innumerable angels and by the patriarchs and saints, he had taken up with him to heaven. The great lady awaited his visit, prostrate upon the ground as usual, and annihilated in the utmost self-debasement of her ineffable humility, yet at the same time being elevated above all human and angelic thought to the highest pinnacle of love possible to a mere creature. Then her divine Son manifests himself amidst the choirs of saints, and renewing in her the sweetness of his blessings, he commanded the angels to raise her from the dust 
and placed her at his right hand. Executing this command, the seraphim placed her, who had given him human existence on the throne of the Lord. Thereupon he asked her what was her request and her desire. To this, the most blessed Mary answered, My son and eternal God, I desire that the glory and exaltation of thy holy name. In it I wish to render thee thanks for the whole human race and acknowledge the blessings of having on this day, through thy almighty power, raised our nature to eternal glory and felicity. I beg that all men may know, praise, and magnify thy divinity and most sacred humanity. 684. The Lord answered, My mother and dove, chosen from amongst all creatures for my habitation, come with me to my celestial country, where thy desires shall be fulfilled, thy petitions granted, and where thou mayest enjoy the solemnity of this day, not among the mortal children of Adam, but among my courtiers and among my inhabitants of heaven. Immediately that whole celestial procession traversed the regions of the air, as had happened on the day of the Ascension, and the Virgin Mary, always remaining at the right hand of her son, reached the Empyrean heavens. But on arriving at the highest place, the whole celestial company arranged themselves in choirs, and not only they in all heaven, but the Holy of the Holy himself, were so, say, wrapped in a new kind of silence and attention. Then the queen asked permission of the Lord to descend from the throne and prostrate before the footstool of the most blessed Trinity, saying an admirable song of praise in which she included the mysteries of the Incarnation and Redemption, with all the triumphs and victories of her divine Son, up to his glorious ascension to the right hand of his eternal Father. 685. The Mosai manifested his pleasure and complacence at this hymn of praise, and all the saints responded with songs of glory extolling the omnipotent in this wonderful creature, and being filled with new joy by the presence and exaltation of their queen. Then at the command of the Most High, the angels again placed her at the right hand of her divine Son, and having, as on other occasions, been illumined and adorned for the purpose, she looked upon the divinity in glorious and intuitive vision. In this beatific vision, the queen spent part of the day, and during it the Lord again confirmed upon her the possession of that place, which from all eternity he had destined for her, and which was mentioned on the day of the ascension. For our greater admiration and obligation, I advert that each year on that day the Lord himself asked her whether she preferred to remain in that eternal joy forever, or return again to the earth for the benefit of the church. The decision being thus entirely left in her hand, she answered that if it was the will of the Almighty, she would return to labor for men, who were the fruit of the redemption and the death of the Son of God. 686. This answer, so full of resignation, repeated each year, was just as often accepted by the Most Holy Trinity to the wonder of all the blessed. Thus, not only once, but many times, did the Heavenly Mother deprive herself of the beatific vision, descending for a period of time to the world in order to direct the Church and enrich it with her incomparable merits. And since the proper appreciation of these merits can never be reached by our curtailed faculties, it will be no blemish in this history not to attempt an estimate of them and defer it until we shall reach the vision of God. But the rewards corresponding to the sacrifices were reserved for her according to the divine pleasure in order that afterwards in the possession of the beatific vision she might as much as possible be like to the most sacred humanity of her Son, and worthily take her place on the throne at his right hand. 
As a sequence to these happenings in heaven, the great queen added her prayers for the exaltation of God's name, for the propagation of the church, for the conversion of the world and the victories over the devil. And all her petitions were granted and successively executed in their time and will be executed in all the ages of the church. These favors would be greater if the sinners of the world would not hinder them and make mortals unworthy of receiving them. Thereupon the angels brought back their queen to her oratory in the cenacle, amid celestial music and harmony, and she prostrated herself in deepest humility to give thanks for these new favors. I wish to mention that the evangelist St. John had some knowledge of these mysteries and participated in some of their effects, for he usually saw the queen so refulgent with heavenly light that he could not look upon her face. As the great mistress of humility always humbled herself, to the very ground, and often asked his consent, kneeling at his feet. He was often seized by a reverential fear and disquiet in the presence of the lady, though it was always mixed with a wonderful joy and incitement to holiness. 687. The great queen availed herself of the effects and the blessings of the festivity of the Ascension, in order to celebrate more solemnly the coming of the Holy Ghost, and by means of them she prepared herself for it during the nine days that intervene. She continued without intermission her holy exercise, exciting the most ardent desires for the renewal of the gifts of the Divine Spirit in her. When the day arrived, these desires were fulfilled with manifestations of an almighty power. For at the same hour in which she descended the first time upon the Apostolic College in the Cenacle, he descended each year upon the Mother of Jesus, the spouse in the temple of the Holy Ghost. And although this coming was not less solemn than the first, for he came in the form of a visible fire, of a wonderful brightness, and with a mysterious noise, yet these signs were not manifest to all, as had happened at the first coming, and at the first time this was necessary, but afterwards it was not proper that any one except the most blessed Mary, and to a certain extent St. John, should know of this miracle. Myriads of angels attended upon her at such times, singing the canticles of the Lord in sweetest harmony, and the Holy Ghost entirely inflamed and renewed her with superabundant gifts and increase of the blessings she already possessed. Then the great lady gave humble thanks not only for this favor, but because he had filled the apostles with wisdom and charismatic gifts, to make them worthy ministers of the Lord and founders of his holy church and because through his coming he had sealed the works of the human redemption in a prolonged prayer. She then asked the Divine Spirit to continue the influences of his grace and wisdom through the present and the future ages, and not to suspend it on the account of the sins and unworthiness of men at that time. All these petitions the Holy Ghost granted to his only spouse, and the Holy Church is now reaping the fruit of them, and shall enjoy them until the end of the world. This concludes our reading today for day number 353. We have been reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 16, Paragraphs 380 to 387. Our reading today continues with these commemorations of the feasts of our Lord and how Our Lady observed them and what God did for her in that celebration. So today, as we hear about the Ascension, one of the things we read in paragraph 682 is this, During all this time, 
She renewed the memory of the favors and blessings she had received from her divine son, and of the glorious company of the ancient patriarchs and saints. She renewed the memory of the favors and blessings. In the spiritual life, we would call this the examine, where we look back over the course of our day, our week, our month, our year, our life, and we see the different favors and blessings that God has bestowed upon us. And I think when we do that, even now as I look back at my own life, I look at certain things where I say, if God would have answered my prayer for this, well, then none of this would have taken place. And so you see how God's will plays out. You see the favors and the blessings which God has given you. And then we heard that for all these events were indelibly impressed upon her memory. So Mary remembers all of these events of the life of Jesus. And she's able to call them to mind. And in a sense, when we pray the rosary, when we meditate on the life of Jesus, it's almost as if we are trying to tap into the memory of Our Lady ourselves and trying to then, as we remember the mystery, to align ourselves with how Our Lady reflected upon these mysteries of Jesus. And then we know that on these feasts, God hears Mary's prayers. Jesus comes to her. She sees her divine son again. And isn't that an interesting thing? Because before reading this book, I would have always said that Mary didn't see Jesus except in the Holy Eucharist. But Maria Vagrida is telling us that Jesus would come back frequently to see his mother, in a sense, to console her, but also then to listen to her, to help her, especially in her role as uh, an advisor, counselor, intercessor for the early church. And so Mary makes her petitions. She makes her requests known to God. But then God says to Our Lady, the Almighty says to her, do you want to stay here or do you want to go back to the earth? And she always says, if it is your will for me to be with the people of God and the church, I will go back. She could have stayed with her son. She could have enjoyed that vision of God that we all hope to one day receive ourselves. And what blessedness and what happiness and what peacefulness there is in the beatific vision. And every time she chose to come back to a fallen world, she wasn't fallen, but everybody else around her because she knew that she could be of help and assistance and then as our reading closes out today with the celebration of Pentecost and Mary's observances there, she asks the Holy Ghost for certain graces. And then we hear all these petitions, the Holy Ghost granted to his holy spouse and the Holy Church is now reaping the fruit of them and shall enjoy them until the end of the world. What God has done for the church because of Our Lady, how incredible. The gifts of the Holy Spirit remaining with us and these petitions of Our Lady and the grace of them enjoyed until the end of the world. And as we live our lives now, well, how more opportune is it for us to say thank you to Our Lady. Thank you, dear Blessed Mother, for obtaining these things. I may not understand the great depth of them, but thank you, because what you obtained then is still with the Church today. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical City of God. 
I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.